Today is the 21st day of February, and welcome to the Coffee and Morning Prayers podcast. I invite you to pull up a chair, settle down with your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and join me in prayer. Now let us begin our day. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and repents of evil. Let us confess our sins against God and against our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and raise a loud shout to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. Psalms for the 21st day, evening prayer, Psalm 106. Alleluia. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Who can declare the mighty acts of the Lord, or show forth all his praises? Happy are those who act with justice, and always do what is right. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have for your people and visit me with your saving help, that I may see the prosperity of your elect and be glad with the gladness of your people, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned as our forebearers did. We have done wrong and dealt wickedly. In Egypt, they did not consider your marvelous works, nor remember the abundance of your love. They defied the Most High at the Red Sea but he saved them for his name's sake to make his power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the deep as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of those who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their oppressors. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words and sang him songs of praise. But they soon forgot his deeds and did not wait for his counsel. 
A craving seized them in the wilderness, and they put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but he sent leanness into their soul. They envied Moses in the camp, and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed Dathan, and covered the company of Abram. Fire blazed up against their company, and flames devoured the wicked. Israel made a bull calf at Horeb, and worshipped a molten image. And so they exchanged their glory for the image of an ox that feeds on grass. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wonderful deeds in the land of Ham, and fearful things at the Red Sea. So he would not have destroyed them, had not Moses his chosen stood before them in the breach to turn away his wrath from consuming them. They refused the pleasant land and would not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and would not listen to the voice of the Lord. So he lifted his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to cast out their seed among the nations and to scatter them through the lands. They joined themselves at Baal-peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They provoked him to anger with their actions and a plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and interceded, and the plague came to an end. This was reckoned to him as righteousness throughout all generations forever. Again they provoked his angers at the waters of Meribah, so that he punished Moses because of them. For they so embittered his spirit, and they spoke rash words with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord has commanded them. They intermingled with the heathen and learned their pagan ways, so that they worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to evil spirits. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, which they offered to the idols of Canaan, and the land was defiled with blood. Thus they were polluted by their actions, and went whoring into the evil deeds. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his inheritance. He gave them over to the hand of the heathen, and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were humbled under his hand. Many a time did he deliver them, but they rebelled through their own devices and were brought down to their iniquity. Nevertheless, he saw their distress. When he had heard their lamentation, he remembered his covenant with them and relented in accordance with his great mercy. He caused them to be pitied, but those who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen, Alleluia. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, and was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. 
When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in the lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature we do speak wisdom, though it is not of the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages of all his glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if he had, they would not have crucified the Lord in glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him, those things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is true human except the human spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God's except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. For behold, darkness covers the land, deep gloom enshrouds the peoples. But over you the Lord will rise, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will stream to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawning. Your gates will always be open. By day or night they will never be shut. They will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Violence will no more be heard in your land, ruin or destruction within your borders. You will call your walls salvation and all your portals praise. The sun will no more be your light by day. By night you will not need the brightness of the moon. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning at the 29th verse. As soon as Jesus left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they dulled him about her at once. He came, took her by the hand, and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered round the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, 
While it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in the synagogues and casting out demons. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely, and to spread the word, so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. And the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high, shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A Revelation for Wednesday of Lent 1 taken from the late 4th century travelogues of Egeria, a Western European abbess and pilgrim. She documented, then shared the practice of Christianity across the Holy Land, including the major celebrations of the church year, including Lent. I must also describe how those who are baptized at Easter are instructed. Those who give their names do so the day before Lent, and the priest notes down all their names. And this is before those eight weeks during which, as I have said, Lent is observed here. When the priest has noted down everyone's name, then on the following day, the first day of Lent, on which the eight weeks begin, a throne is set up for the bishop in the center of the major church, the martyrium. The priests sit on stools on both sides, and all the clergy stand around. One by one, the candidates are led forward in such a way that the men come with their godfathers and the women with their godmothers. 
then the bishop questions individually the neighbors of the one who has come up, inquiring, Does this person lead a good life? Obey parents? Is this person a drunkard or a liar? And the bishop seeks out in the candidate other vices, which are more serious. If the person proves to be guiltless in all these matters concerning which the bishop has questioned the witnesses who are present, the bishop notes down the candidate's name. If, however, the candidate is accused of anything, the bishop orders the person to go out and says, Let such a one amend their life, and when this is done, then approach the baptismal font. He makes the same inquiry of both men and women. If, however, some are strangers, such people cannot easily receive baptism unless they have witnesses who know them. Ladies, my sisters, I must describe this, lest you think that it is done without explanation. It is the custom here, throughout the 40 days on which there is fasting, for those who are preparing for baptism to be exercised by the clergy early in the morning, as soon as the dismissal from the morning service has been given at the Anastasis. Immediately, a throne is placed for the bishop in the major church, the martyrium. All those who are to be baptized, both men and women, sit closely around the bishop, while the godmothers and godfathers stand there. And indeed, all of the people who wish to listen may enter and sit down, provided they are of the faithful. A catechumen, however, may not enter at the time when the bishop is teaching them the law. The bishop does, does so in this way, beginning with Genesis and going through the whole of Scripture during these 40 days, expounding first its literal meaning and then explaining the spiritual meaning. In the course of these days, Everything is taught, not only about the resurrection, but concerning the body of faith. This is called catechetics. When five weeks of instruction have been completed, they then receive the creed. The bishop explains the meaning of each of the phrases of the creed in the same way as Holy Scripture was explained, expounding first the literal and then the spiritual sense. In this fashion, the creed is taught. And thus it is that in these places, all the faithful are able to follow the scriptures when they are read in the churches, because all are taught through those 40 days. That is, from the first to the third hours, for during the three hours, instruction is given. God knows, ladies, my sisters, that the voices of the faithful who have come to catechetics to hear instruction on those things being said or explained by the bishop are louder than when the bishop sits down in church or preach about each of those matters which are explained in this fashion. The dismissal from catechetics is given at the third hour and immediately, singing hymns, they lead the bishop to the anastasis and the office of the third hour takes place. And thus, they are taught for three hours a day for seven weeks, 
During the eighth week, the one which is called the great week, there remains no more time for them to be taught, because what has been mentioned above must be carried out. Now, when seven weeks have gone by and there remains only Holy Week, which is here called the Great Week, then the bishop comes in the morning to the major church, the Martyrium. To the rear, at the apse behind the altar, a throne is placed for the bishop, and one by one they come forth, the men with their godfathers, the women with their godmothers, and each one recites the creed back to the bishop. After the creed has been recited back to the bishop, the bishop delivers a homily to them all and says, During these seven weeks, you have been instructed in the whole law of the scriptures, and you have heard about the faith. You've also heard of the resurrection of the flesh. And as for the whole explanation of the creed, you've heard only that which you are able to know while you are still catechumens. Because you are still catechumens. You are not able to know those things which belong to a still higher mystery, that of baptism. But that you may not think that anything would be done without explanation. Once you have been baptized in the name of God, you will hear of them during the eight days of Easter in the Anastasis, following the dismissal from church. Because you are still catechumens, the most secret of the divine mysteries cannot be told to you. Here ends today's reflection. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Save your people, O Lord, and bless your inheritance. Govern and uphold them now and always. Day by day we bless you. We praise your name forever. Lord, keep us from all sin today. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy. Lord, show us your love and mercy, for we put our trust in you. In you, Lord, is our hope, and we shall never hope in vain. 
Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who sets the solitary in families, we commend to your continual care the homes in which your people dwell. Put far from them, we ask of you, every root of bitterness, the desire of vainglory, and the pride of life. Fill them with faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness. Knit together in constant affection those who in holy wedlock have been made one flesh. Turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents. And so enkindle fervent charity among us all that we may evermore be kindly affection one to another through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, whose Son has nowhere to lay his head, grant that those who live alone may not be lonely in their solitude, but that following in his steps they may find fulfillment in loving you and their neighbors. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, you have made one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>